is a country beyond that which is known to humankind. A stray country. A country that exists west of October. Whose borders are somewhere between midnight train whistles and the distant hell of a dog. A country that lies somewhere in the stitched and jittering static between radio stations. A country that drifts through America like a traveling salesman. But every now and then stops to nest on a small town. A small church. A single street. And maybe, just maybe, some kind of delayed radio broadcast you've stuffed in your ears. Chapter 17 The Preacher and the Pig Pen We gotta search the room. Billy said. Don't bother. Why? I know where he kept them. Where? In his locker. Yeah, but what if he... He didn't. How do you know? I got a feeling, Billy. Like you had a feeling. <sighs> Look... Look how it was hidden in the garbage. You think Eddie was going to risk bringing home any more than one at a time? Maybe two. Certainly not the whole box. Jack's eyes focused through neighborhood streets far, far away on the school. It's in his locker. I got a feeling. And the boys were ready to leave and went out the same way they came in and snuck across the side yard like East Germans running for freedom and soon were miles deep into the west, which is streets deep into suburban neighborhoods walking loosely towards the school, noticing for the first time all the steeples of all the churches and how here on Friday at high sunset they looked an awful lot like empty amusement parks. How are we going to get in his locker? Don't worry about it. Jack said, I am. I said don't. I can't just turn it off now that I am worried. I said don't. Jack. Billy. The boys stopped walking. November peppered them with a hailstorm of sunset country leaves. The wind searched Jack for the truth. I got a list. A list. A list. A list of what? Jack sighed. <sighs> a list of lockers. A list of lockers? Yes, so? And their combinations. What? How did you don't ask? Look, see, your locker isn't your property. It's school property. They can search anyone anytime they want. So they keep a list. Where's your list? In my locker. Jack smiled. It was the first time he had smiled since this morning. A hundred years ago, when the boys had decided they would skip school and go buy a Nintendo game and camp out in the basement under the tent poles of old furniture cloaked by the canvases of old sheets. Kind of ironic, huh? But Billy had stopped listening. Because Billy had noticed how under the reddening sky, the sun looked more and more like a slab of beef sinking on a meat hook. 
Billy was looking through the slanted slits of sunset at something off in the distance. Painted red by the season, the time of day, the strange crowd of disintegrating light. But knew the thing wasn't red. No. It was something that, when it came to light, took all the things easiest to take. And this time of year, this time of day, this place of horror was something cast off from a full work week of the slaughterhouse red. But it wasn't red. It was white. Even though it wore the sunset's red like a dress. It was white. Because it was a white plastic sack. Behind them, following them. But no, how could that be? Sacks cannot follow. They cannot choose their course. They can only be bossed around by the wind. Thrust around by a hand. Anchored down by packs of cigarettes or gallons of beer. Told where to go by their mankind masters. The sun had been lassoed with barbed wire. It fell down bleeding into the west. Bled the sack red. But Billy knew it was a white plastic sack. Something he'd seen before. When Grandpa died. When Mary Brogan died. Now here. When Eddie died. It moved like a storm. With all the rustle. None of the rain. All of the plastic thunder. None of the lightning. Skipping down the street. Like a girl with a sucker. Full of air, mostly floating, only touching down, hardly, barely, maybe not at all. Like it was disconnected from the mud ball and its rule set. All the laws of gravity and motion. Like its shuffle, its muffle and ruffle and scuffle were all different ways of telling Sir Isaac Newton you haven't figured out. Jack shit. Jack. Billy whispered. But Jack was already looking. Watching it. Watching. It. Shambling the long and lane empty street. Speaking beneath the wind. Rummaging itself for a matchbook or lighter or pack of Winston Blue Super Slims. Finding itself empty. Sending Morse code through the air to talk to the spider webs. Sailing on the breeze of old October. Smothering old names, old times, old ways, all by passing through town like the new century tumbleweed. It passed through the shadow of a steeple. A movie screen what lost the projector beam of the sun. It turned the color of hammer and nails. 
Grandpa's whiskers, the cold ash tapped off cigarettes. Cold oatmeal, snow left too long by the side of the freeway, or just the color of concrete. Billy lost it. Jack lost it. Where did it go? Whispered Billy. Jack did not know, could not say. Swallowed by the sidewalk. Camouflage, no, not likely. Boys' eyes are too goddamn good. Too quick, like gunslinger eyes. No way they could have lost it. No, which only meant one thing. The concrete sidewalk had hit it. A type of cathedral for plastic sacks. A place for phony material to say phony prayers to phony gods. Yes, concrete and plastic. Why hadn't Billy put them together before? They went together like cigarettes and matches. Billy looked more. Did you see where it went? Jack looked less. No, let's get out of here. The sack was gone. Gone to church to sit its flush of faux velvet self in the stiffest pews of concrete. Gone to the cold sack breathing service. Couldn't have entered the concrete like a church. No, that's impossible. But where? Not here. No more. And if not here, then that man gone. Just like that. But you did see it. Right, Jack? No answer. Jack? A younger brother looked to older brother. To the sibling roof. The one who kept the rain off. The one who taught a brother how many books to carry to class so as not to get made fun of. To never run in the halls no matter how late you will be for class. On words that were okay to say and words that could never be said. And how to speak up to be seen, pipe down to be overlooked. Billy looked to this encyclopedia of a brother. This user's manual for life for an answer. But there was nothing in Jack's eyes because all his boy ingenry was shoveling coal into his ears. Yes, all hands on deck had been pulled from eyes and limb and joined all up to the ear funnels for a noise way out deep in another land. Maybe heard, possibly heard, could have been heard, had to be verified, known, confirmed. So Jack stood there with an ear to the wind, and Billy put his ear to the wind just like his brother. Nothing. Only the quiet of suburban streets. The most quiet thing in the whole world. The only thing man had made which is quieter than what was there before. 
Because yes, suburban streets are quieter than the wilderness purchased from Mexico. Because yes, before white men came out west, the west was quiet. Full of eagles soaring and coyote calls, and then came the rails, and the trains, and all the crying games played by industrial machines clanging and suiting the air. And then the machines got quiet, and locomotives became rare things, flung to the outskirts of towns, reverse segregation, and cable cars took their lines and ran quieter, and then cars came, and the cars got quieter over the years, and quieter, until suburban homes stood on top of the moldy bones of the old west. Bedroom communities, they were called, because of how quiet they had become. Billy, ear to the wind, only heard the nothing flap of bed sheets. I don't shh. Billy listened. Listened. Listened to the nothing. And in the nothing, heard something. In the country deeps of suburban streets, Billy heard, thought he heard, heard, thought he heard, a frequency hard to pick up, like listening to a radio with a broke antenna, something you had to keep moving to get a signal. He heard, thought he heard. Heard, thought he heard, a whisper speak, a whisper creak, something so far away like trying to tune into someone else's dream, some kind of soup grumbling in the belly of the streets, a salt granule of indigestion, something that didn't agree with the bedroom streets. A type of boogeyman living under the beds of the bedroom community. Something smoking diesel fuel like cigarettes. Cracking plastic like white knuckles. The landfill moan. Yes, the sound of something. What a cross shadows with a junkyard. Grotesque. One hell of a gamble. The leaky ear drip of some horrible garbage collecting machine. And the sound of plastic sacks buzzing about it like flies. The boys heard the drowsy whore. Off in bedtime country, stalking the streets by sunset, setting up for the nightmare hour. The boys looked to each other. Stood alone on a street full of very, very polite houses. Never heard the garbage truck out at sunset. Always comes morning, right? An elbow scratch. Isn't it kind of late for garbage collection? A watch check. Yeah. Too late for garbage collection. A body shift. Shouldn't all garbage men be home by now? 
out on some street too far to be seen, too close to be silent, like listening to a television on the lowest volume, the boys heard the machine trashing plastic on the wind, popping pieces of yesterday like brown paper bags. Some as new and forgotten as last week's milk jug, but others as old, dark, and silent as things like furniture owned by grandma and grandpa, thought to be funny and unfashionable, fiddled by the tongue, cracked by the jaw, savored by the truck, sledgehammering mementos into oblivion with a hiss of hydraulic. And then the kick and grouse of the engine, crawling twenty feet down the street, and the hissing of pissing away memories into pancakes, and like a broken record, the boys knew they could listen to the song until the rapture. <laughs>